The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. This is Ben, and today we have Creasy and Jim. So, guys, could you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Sure. I'm Quasi Robotham, founder, managing director of, of Kingstown Advisors. And this is my partner, Jim. Jim Rossner, the operations director, uh, helping organize all the partnerships and activity. Awesome. So, yeah, could you guys get into a little bit about? Um, your backgrounds and how you ended up where you are now? Sure. Um, so I actually, you know, I'm arrived in this seat in a very non-traditional way, uh, Ben. So I, I actually have a background in engineering. I got a degree in mechanical engineering. I went to school in, in Montreal up in, up in Canada. I, I went to work for about two months as an actual design mechanical engineer, realized that I couldn't stand it. Uh, and so uh, four months later, I got a job in sales. It wasn't really necessarily what I wanted to do, but I ended up um, getting a job back here stateside uh, at doing management consulting for a large government contracting firm. We did a lot of aerospace and defense work and some pretty neat, interesting stuff like working on the space station. Uh, or designing, looking at how the space station was engineered and designed. Uh, but then along the way, just life events happened. And, and I, I started asking questions about how, how to save money for the future. We, my wife and I started having kids. And uh, the advisors that we had at the time couldn't answer my question. So I decided, hey, I was going to figure out how this stuff works on my own. And then, you know, lo and behold, I, I decided to start my own firm. And now we do, you know, now we're a virtual family office. Uh, we're sort of like a mix between business and financial advisors on steroids. Um, but, you know, that it's, you know, you never know sometimes the path that's been laid out for you. If you just take one step at a time where you end up. So pretty excited about what we do right now. How about you, Jim? Yeah, no, I. I echo that as well. You know, if you asked me uh, just five years ago where I'd be, I, 
I would not imagine right here next to this guy. Uh, my, my kind of story is uh, I started out in the internship, uh, kind of working in the voluntary benefit space, uh, really understanding that side of things, right? The, what are problems with business owners? You know, I loved working with small business owners. Um, you know, we're all entrepreneurs at heart, right? So I, I think that's something that gravitated towards me in working in that space and uh, learning kind of their problems and how we can help solve them. Um, and then from there, you know, again, I, I love the company, but I always kept an open mind and networked and um, realized I can kind of grow my business just from, you know, not helping them on the voluntary benefit side with these business owners, but do full retirement planning, golden handcuffs, right? And that's where I got uh, plugged into one of the big mutual companies. And uh, it was great there. I, I loved it. They had great education. I was plugged in and helping being the coordinator for three different financial planning teams. So I was able to get my hands um, really understanding around the industry and how to help people, which is something I loved being a fiduciary. Uh, but ultimately, I found there were some things that were uh, prevented me from working with all of the solutions that are available to people. So, you know, as a fiduciary, it was important for me to be able to have that. So that's where I wanted to go independent, uh, you know, circled back through networking with Quasi and uh, saw what he designed with his virtual family office with the business advisory, the business acquisitions. And those are things I've always been interested and eager to get into. And, uh, you know, he's been a great mentor in that space, learning that side of things while I'm able to bring all of my experience with the, the planning teams and the planning knowledge to, to help boost that stuff for what we're doing here. So, yeah. So fun, funny, funny story. We won't go into, into detail, but, and I, we won't mention any specific names, but for a brief moment in time, uh, Jim recruited me to work at a, <laughs> to work at another firm and wow. it was good. And I remember he's a yeah. great guy. You know, we had, we had some fun and, and yeah. I, I had a good head on his shoulders. So when I decided to branch out and start Kingstown advisors, I, I turned the tables on him and recruited him. Yep. So. <laughs> Return the favor. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. That's a, that's a really yeah. great story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into all these amazing things you guys do as a virtual family office and even what the idea of a virtual family office is, um, could you just tell us about your, your first milestone in real estate? Yeah, I, you know, what I would consider the first uh, real milestone, I mean, my wife and I, we've, we've moved a couple of times. So, we, you know, we bought homes along the way, but we had, uh, we turned those homes into rental properties the next time we had to move. My wife is, is Air Force active duty, so we moved a couple of times. And, um, you know, I think that was really the, the first real milestone is setting up a property, having it be an investment as opposed to something that, that you're that you're living in. And so that, that's something that, that I've always enjoyed. And, and um, I guess I would consider that my first real estate milestone. Yeah, it's definitely cool. awesome. Yeah. My, so mine's a little different. Um, you know, I, I think mine would be kind of. In when I was just diving into that financial planning world space, uh, something I realized kind of just through office chatter that people avoided realtors like the plague. It, with the firm that I was at, for whatever reason, uh, the, the traditional advisors, they just wanted to work with high income earners, W-2, and they thought the, the idea of real estate agents and volatile was something they didn't want to get involved with, right? And that's kind of where I saw the opportunity and me and one of my partners started doing educational sessions, right? And kind of bringing that financial literacy to uh, the realtors. Cause you know, as we all know, I mean, you know, kind of naturally biased where they think, oh, well, I can retire by buying this one property and buying this other one. And, and you know, there's merit to that, but there's other things you can do to better position yourself so you can buy, you know, maybe not just one investment property, maybe two, right? So just kind of implementing those one or two things. So honestly, that was my first uh, jump into kind of the real estate world and the experience there and really getting to understand uh, these people that are working hard, building their business, helping their clients and community. 
Yeah, and then most of that, most people don't tell uh, realtors that they got real real estate professional status. That, that comes with a lot of cool advantages too. So, um, right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. If you guys don't know what that is, um, make sure to call up call up our friends at uh, Kingstown. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's ask the question: What's a virtual family office? <laughs> Good question. Um, so you know. I, I explain that by, well, a couple different ways. Number one, traditionally, uh, a, a family office um, is an entity set up by an ultra high net worth individual or family. I'm talking $100 million of liquid investable assets and above. Um, instead of having a separate CPA that they get advice from and an attorney or financial advisor or, uh, or an estate planner, They'll set up an entity. Um, the sole purpose of that entity is to grow and preserve the wealth of that one family or that one individual. And what they'll do is they'll hire the CPA that they know, like, and trust. They'll hire the attorney, the estate planner, the financial advisor. And those folks become full-time W-2s of that individual's family office. Now, I know a lot of people... The, in their mind, the concept of a family office these days, most people think family offices are these weird, like bohemian hybrids of uh, venture capital and private equity firms, right? Um, well, that's sort of that's sort of an effect of what their mission and their purpose is, right? Uh, because they've amassed so much wealth and they've sort of outgrown the traditional, you know, financial planning uh, design or, or approach. They need, they're looking for other places to place their capital, get returns on that money. So yes, they're quite often looking for investment opportunities, or they could be sources of capital for folks that have an idea or a startup or a real estate project. Um, but that's really that's really an, an, an outgrowth of their mission, which is to grow and preserve the wealth of that family. So uh, where we're a little bit different is being a virtual family office is that we've taken the same uh, process and the same experience, Ben, that the ultra high net worth family has with their with their family office. And we've made it available to either affluent or emerging affluent business owners who, truth be told, are probably 10, 15 years early from where they would have the $100 million. But by getting access to the process earlier, we're able to accelerate their growth to that end state. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's a really, yeah. a really good way of putting it. And um, sounds like very powerful solution. I mean, a lot of people probably think family offices closed off just the super high net worth individuals that, you know, can afford to have a whole staff working for them. But I mean, yeah. it's really cool that you guys make a solution that works for people that are not all the way up there, but still have similar goals, which everyone wants to preserve and grow their wealth. And everyone wants to take advantage of Absolutely. all these, amazing, yeah, right, the amazing investments that um, exists out there and not everyone knows how. And, um, sounds like it's really, I mean, I really love that you guys are helping people understand that like there's options for them. So sure. I guess building off that, like who, you know, who needs a virtual family office, who do you serve and who can, uh, you know, benefit from your services uh, the most. Yeah. So, um, let me, let me answer that with, with, uh, with another analogy, right? So if you go see, as an example, let's say you need, you've got some issue going on and you go see your primary care physician, right? And he says, okay, 
uh, well, we, we're going to prescribe this for you. And, but along the way, I need you to go see a cardiologist and a gastroenterologist. So you go see those two specialists as well. And they, they maybe prescribe a couple other things. So now you've got three drugs that, that, uh, that you got to take and you're hoping and praying that at best, there's no contraindications at worst. Um, you know, they don't make your state of health, you know, make things even, you know, not, not optimal. Right. So, um, the, the, the primary care physician, though, is supposed to be the quarterback of your care, making sure that all the specialists, everything that they're recommending, all the strategies that they're recommending for you are in line with what you're trying to accomplish. So that being, that being said, we are, we are the best fit for a, a business owner that's making money or an executive. Let's say you're just on a W-2 but you, or a 1099, but you don't necessarily have a business. Um, that's making money and has got a lot of moving parts, but they don't have a comprehensive solution and someone to walk them through the process of getting the most efficient advice. Um, normally, I mean, if we're going to throw a number out there, we, we're typically looking at working with people that are like 200,000 in annual income and above, um, or have a business that's generating a million dollars a year. But at the end of the day, we're looking we end up connecting and working best with people that are tired of the traditional um, business advisory financial planning route, and they're looking for more comprehensive solutions. Yeah, and it's like the whole idea that we have this primary uh, care physician quarterbacking our uh, health, but we don't have that same level of service for our wealth. And, and yep. that's essentially what we're bringing to the marketplace. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I know like the, you, you, know, you mentioned the term fiduciary before, and sometimes it feels like the it's not used as as a used a little too lightly for my taste. We're like, what does it really mean to be on the same team, or really to have your interests aligned with you know the people who you're getting advice from? You know, most of this advice, you 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 think they're the professional, but you know, really, it's the advice is like serving them more than that it's serving you in a in a way that's kind of hard I, to you know imagine. And yeah, I mean, do you have a perspective? Yeah, you know, I, I've definitely, you know, witnessed that through the different companies, right? And it, it's really fascinating because a lot of the people that, you know, they're doing right and they are truly doing right and helping with their clients, but perhaps they don't have that bit of intellectual curiosity, right? Well, hey, everything I'm doing and helping works, but maybe this thing over here is better. But, you know, maybe wherever the company they're in or whatever rules that they might not be allowed to go and work in those things. So, um, you know, it is tough. And, you know, that's where, you know, hopefully you ask whoever you're working with a lot of questions, look to truly understand, um, you know, who it is you're working with, because that's the first and foremost part. But uh, it, it is a, a big responsibility, right? A fiduciary is someone that is legally responsible to make the, uh, the most uh, recommendations that fits the interest of whoever you're working with, of, of whatever that is. So, Again, you know, from my perspective with what you brought up earlier, you have to kind of be in an independent environment um, versus, you know, if you're just someone on Wall Street and you're a fiduciary, but all you work on Wall Street things, well, how can you incorporate real estate with that? How can you incorporate acquisitions and stuff? You simply can't, you know? So I think it's really important to understand kind of the role in uh, the company of whoever you're working with. Yeah. And so to kind of build on that, uh, two things. One is, um, you know, the root of the word fiduciary is, is a Latin word that that stands for trust, right? So are you as an advisor engendering trust in the people that you're looking to serve? Um, so I'll give you a, a, an example of, of um, 
you know, how that works in, in, in terms of getting the most comprehensive advice. So this isn't a slam against CPAs whatsoever. We've got CPA partners that we work with, tax attorneys. Um, but a lot of times uh, when a business owner is looking for a tax deduction, they'll ask a CPA or an accountant and the accountant will say, well, go open up a 401k or contribute to your 401k. That's great. You'll get the tax deduction. But what if you could instead use the same money to create an asset for the business? Now, what, what would you rather want? A, a tax deduction, maybe you save 20,000 or 30,000, or you're able to use that, the, the, that same contribution and create a million dollar cash flow or a million dollar asset for the business. Or, so it just, at the end of the day, it's having a comprehensive strategy, looking through all the lenses to make sure that, that um, we're providing the best result and the most optimal outcome for our clients. Yeah, I really love that about you guys because it's like you have the flexibility to actually offer the solution that fits right with this person's situation where it's like yeah. sometimes I feel like I guess it was experience for both of you that you're in this role where you do get to be a fiduciary and get to help people with their financial planning. Then you just part of you knows that there's a solution that would work better for them that you can offer. And now you guys accomplish this awesome feat of being able to really be able to offer these solutions that work for for people and that they might not even know about. So that's really, that's really powerful. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want to talk about this idea of leverage that we were speaking about a little bit before. So, I mean, yeah, like what does leverage mean to you and how does it run through your business? Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. So uh, I, I'm going to apologize in advance. Remember I told you I'm an engineer. So, you know, <laughs> I, I sometimes think in, in engineering terms, so leverage, it, it literally means being able to do the same or greater work with equal or lesser effort, right? So how do you accomplish that? We, you walk in any city, any metropolitan, urban or, or suburban area, and you see leverage all around you. Every building, every business inside of a building, uh, every piece of property is benefiting from leverage, right? Financing. Uh, and so the ability to, to, to um, get more work done with the, with the same or lesser effort, um, and that's that's at, at the root of what we do, right? And you know, we're able to leverage technology as an example in a virtual family office. We'll leverage partners and specialists uh, to get the same type of work done for our clients that that a, a, a traditional family office does, but at, at a, a much reduced cost, and we pass those savings on to our clients. But you know, there's there's lots of forms of leverage that, you know, real estate is fantastic. I think the world sort of revolves around around leverage and being able to uh, utilize financing to get a greater result. Uh, I'm going to let me let, I'll give an example, uh, Ben, in just in terms of a simple home purchase. Now, you could be it could be um, owner occupied or non owner occupied. Right. But let, let's say you wanted to go buy a property, a home, right? And you had $50,000 saved in the bank. Are you going to go buy a $50,000 house? Probably not. <laughs> Probably I don't know. Not. I don't know. Do, do they exist anywhere? <laughs> they, they, might, they might not, right? I, you know, I don't know. In California, 50 grand might get you a mailbox. Yeah, right? maybe in Nebraska you can get a... <laughs> right? No, not a slam against Nebraska. It's just the, the price of the real estate. You might get a right. much bigger value for 50000 there than in, you know, the Tyson's Corner area where we are. So, um, and but at the, at the same token, so what do most people do? They say, okay, well, 
I really want um, uh, a seven hundred thousand dollar home, right? So you find your favorite banker and you ask that banker to bring you the balance, six hundred fifty thousand, so you could get the house that you want. Now, if if you're thinking in investment terms, maybe you're you're able to pick up the house for two hundred. You you force the appreciation by making improvements, and then you sell it for more, et cetera. So the loans, the financing structure might be a little bit different. But regardless, if we're just talking about buying a house to live in, you go get a banker. Uh, brings you the balance. And now you can get a $700,000 home for the $50,000 investment that you make. That's leverage, right? Now, now you've got uh, five bedrooms, four baths, two-story foyer, um, you know, white picket fence, the backyard, everything that you want, right? Um, now, the, 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 here's, here's where the, the benefit of the leverage you're really able to, to, to see. When the market goes up 10% on your $700,000 home, how much money did you make? 70 grand, right? Just the, just the appreciation. Now, if you were in a, a $50,000 house, how much money would you have made on that with 10% appreciation? 5,000, right? So it's the same $50,000 though. But utilizing leverage, you got a $70,000 return versus a $5,000 return. I, obviously, you want the $70,000 return for the same investment, right? Yeah, you almost doubled your money, you more than doubled your money versus adding only 10%. That's right. That's what leverage does. The problem is, is that it doesn't always work in the positive sense, right? If you know any, any investors or property owners that lived through 2007 through 2009, they realize that sometimes that goes the other way. So if if the if if the market had dropped ten percent, well, on the seven hundred thousand dollar home, you lost seventy thousand. On the fifty thousand dollar home, you lost five thousand. <laughs> With the same fifty thousand invested, which would you rather want? Right? You would rather have the you would rather take the five thousand dollar loss versus the seventy thousand dollar loss. So the question is. How do you know when to apply leverage? Like what's really operating behind the scenes to help you figure out whether or not leverage is a good thing, right? Um, and so it's something that we've thought about and you know, really what it, what it comes down to is does the underlying asset that's being levered, does that asset have the ability to, to retain value, right? So, you, you with me? You're tracking with me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's look at different asset classes, right? Um, stocks. Do stocks always retain value? No, they fluctuate quite a bit. That's right. There's lots of volatility. We've talked about real estate. In general, real estate goes up every year, uh, but there's some, you know, sometimes where it doesn't. Um, so stocks are, are is, is owning public companies. What about private ownership of businesses. Maybe you, you're, you're, you invest or you're partner with a PE firm, they've got a fund, they're buying companies. So that's private ownership. Um, you're, you're hoping and praying that the, the, man, the fund managers know what they're doing and, and help grow the business. Uh, but sometimes that works the other way, right? Same thing with, um, you know, we, I'm not going to touch on crypto, but there's volatility, right? There, you know, there's collectibles, there's art, there's cars, there's all these different asset classes where um, there's different attendant amounts of risk based on the, that unique asset class's ability 
to preserve that, preserve its own value or increase in value over time. Right now, here here's some here's something interesting that we found out, and wherever we can, um, we we like to to have our clients leverage. Um, utilize this other asset class because there's there's significant leverage, right? So if I were to ask you a question, uh, Ben, I know you're doing most of the interview and I'm going to flip it around and ask you a question. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> so if I were to ask you, uh, is there an asset class that is able to maintain or increase in value no matter what? Would you yeah. want to know about it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yes, definitely would want to know about it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. It turns out there is. Now I'm I'm gonna tell you what it is, and it's gonna for most people, especially when we're talking with our clients, it's like it's like a disconnect in the brain. It's like file not found. Like you couldn't have just told me what you just said. That's it's not possible, right? Yeah. Um, but it's primarily because of the way we've been educated to think about the specific asset class. It turns out. Cash value life insurance is contractually obligated to at least maintain its value, if not increase in value over time. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to pay you a consistent dividend as long as you're continuing to pay in your, your principal or your, I guess your, your payments, your monthly payments. Uh, yes. So look, from a, from a banker's perspective, let's put our lender lending hat on for a second, right? From a banker's perspective, if you had the choice to put out $650,000 in the market in the form of a loan, would you rather put that money with Joe and Mary Sue Smith and hope and pray that they're going to repay you principal and interest over time, even if they've got a great, you know, they might have an 800 plus credit score, right? Or would you rather put that money with a billion dollar A-rated life insurance company that is required legally to have billions in surplus cash above and beyond its, its, its commitments and obligation. For a lender, it's a no brain, right? So I, I say all that to say this is that um, sometimes wherever possible, we'll help our clients utilize various asset classes, utilize leverage because you can get so much more work done, right? And get a better result, especially if you're able to bring third-party capital, the whole idea, you know, it's a big deal in real estate, other people's money to the table to help you get the get an end result. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really powerful way of thinking about it. And I mean, definitely kind of break some conventional ways of approaching, yeah. I guess, financial planning and also how investments work. It's like, it sounds too good to be true. Is, is it too good to be true? It's like, right. That's, that's one thing to, to think about, but I mean, if we want to dig into this example a little bit more, um, talk about whole life insurance, like, yeah, why is it so good? And then also someone's gonna be like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Well, like, why is it not too good to be true also? Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, um, there are multiple types of, of life insurance that are out there. What we do is we customize uh, the solutions that are, you know, based on our, our clients' needs, right? We're not, um, you know, what's one of your favorite expressions? We're not a, what, not a hammer in search yep. of a nail, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes life insurance makes sense. Um, whole life is, is a great form of life insurance. There are other types of life insurance out there, uh, like index universal life that 
um, you can get significant results with as well. So it just it just depends on the client situation and what we end up bringing to the table, uh, along with a whole host of other strategies based on their need. Yeah, yeah, and and what we found too, right? Kind of just the difference. Most people do know whole life. Um, where again, that's great and a great asset class, but you know, kind of understanding further how that cash is derived is from this billion dollar institution buying billions of dollars worth of bonds, right? And then when they mature 30 years later, that's what pays the dividends that you reference, um, which is great, kind of consistent and reliable there uh, versus kind of what we found with, with the index version where you, you get the growth of the market. So when the market's doing well, you're growing your money with it. And you know, what earns more the market or bonds. Um, but what's really unique about it is when the market drops, as we all know, it inevitably does, you keep the money you've already earned. So a, a lot of our lenders are a lot more friendly, uh, we found towards kind of the IUL strategies because of that uh, scenario, right? They've stress tested it through the Great Depression. Hey, would this last, even with the market dropping all this amount, they tested it with interest rates being at 12, 20% from the 70s. Um, and it always remains kind of versus some of the whole life. So, um, you know, again, that's kind of where we're here just to kind of teach people. And to your point of, is it too good to be true? Um, the, the point where it's too good is that, you know, it, it's not for everyone. Not everyone could qualify for some of these plans, right? Because there's some considerations that go into this, uh, both financially and health, right? So, um, you know, on both ends, uh, it's not a fit for everyone. And I'll, I'll get, I'll, sorry, I was going to say, I was going to give you another quick example of, of leverage, but go ahead if you had, a, if you had another question. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not always a good fit because you do have to always make sure you're making these payments because if you don't, then you, you know, you lose the whole right. policy, right? So it only yeah. works for people that you know will have the liquidity to be able to maintain the contribution that they say that they're going to maintain. So it's if yeah. you don't think you have a consistent source of cash flow, it might be too risky to take on one of these um, one of these vehicles. But what I really love sure. about insurance is that it's the ultimate alignment of interests, right? As long as mm -hmm. if I'm the insurance company, as long as I believe that you also want to continue your life as long as possible. You know, I know that our, our, it's our lives. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I, I'm as most successful the longer you live and you're most successful the longer you live. Now we have, you know, as long as we agree on that, there's a lot of things we can do. Yeah, exactly. And, and to that point, right, where you said on the financial side, if there's, uh, you know, a 50 year old executive multimillionaire, but he's 350 pounds, type two diabetic, had a heart attack last year. But as much as he's wanted, as much as assets he has, he won't be able to qualify, right? Because there's that health aspect when you come into this, to your point. So there is that mutual interest and benefit. Um, you know, the insurance company is not going to take that risk. They're not going to risk paying that out because because of that health situation. Um, so, they yeah. They charge you a lot more. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, hey, look, I'll throw in one other example of leverage, um, especially in, in the real estate context. So I'm sure, um, you know, at some point your, your other listeners and viewers uh, may want to build a, a decent sized commercial portfolio and you have to stand up a, a, a property management company to stay on top of everything. So, um, you know, at what, one of the challenges associated with operating a business like that is risk, right? Some, you know, crazy stuff happens in the marketplace. Um, you know, you've got events overseas, what have you. So how do you, how do you manage uh, risk? Well, it turns out a lot of times on, you know, commercial insurance policies, the list of exclusions is a lot longer than the list of things that are actually covered. 
right? I don't know if you if you if you've ever seen that. So, um, but what what happens if you've got risks specific to your industry that your typical insurance policy is is unable to cover? So one of the things that you can do is stand up your own insurance company, right? Um, what does that mean? Well, uh, you you can you can customize the your insurance company, the right policies that are specific to your own risk environment. Hey, if, if this is an extreme, right? But to say, if you wanted to say, hey, if uh, an orange car with with uh, green polka dots drives through the front door of one of my buildings, I want to make sure that we're covered for it, right? And the the and you can do that. Now, the the cool thing is that um, the premiums. Done the right way, the premiums that are paid to your own insurance company are tax deductible, right? And the assets, the cash sitting inside your own insurance company uh, can be invested elsewhere and create additional growth. So now, 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 not only do you have a portfolio of properties uh, that are increasing in value over time, one of the challenges sometimes with real estate is that um, you've got the equity, it's, it's sometimes illiquid. So you have a uh, you have the ability now to create um, some risk management using your own insurance company, and then possibly, if done the right way, another revenue stream for for you overall. So, um, and that's another example of leverage. There's tons of other other examples, but the point is, at the end of the day, how can you get more done with the same or or lesser effort? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And the way I like to think about leverage in the, the this context is. Um, you know, what can I accomplish with a team? You know, like, what can I, I can't, I don't have enough money or I don't have the resources or the skills to do it just by myself, but you could bring in all these other people who have more capacities and allow you to do things you could never have done by yourself. And that's a, the power of this, you know, interconnected world we live in where we can utilize each other's skills to elevate everyone together. And I, I, yep. I really love, love that it. idea of leverage. Love yeah. it. Great. Well, on that note, are you ready for the lightning round? uh sure <laughs> shoot let's go do for it. it all right so what are your so what superpower would you want if you could choose any superpower <laughs> so i've got three kids and we have these we have these discussions so <laughs> i was ready i was ready for this one i think um i i think i would like um i, I would like the the ability um uh, super speed that, that's, that's what that's I mine want. too. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I, I feel my gut instinct as you said it to the lightning aspect would be to fly. I just think that'd be awesome to fly around. Traffic is a thing in the past. Flying. <laughs> right. That's a good one too. I think it might you probably could do it pretty quickly too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. All right. So what are you guys' favorite books or what's the ones that have helped you the most in um in life or in your career or yeah, in, in any part? um you want to take this one first i've got two. yeah go yeah one uh it's by tim grover um it's good to great to relentless um or it's just called relentless but it's it's a great book about he he's the if you don't know tim grover he's the coach who coached michael jordan Dwayne wade um you know just these top tier athletes and he kind of taught the, the whole book where he's talking about hey you know these guys at this stage right they don't need a coach how to lift weights, right? They don't need a coach, how to do this. It's the mindset. 
and, and how deep he goes into the mindset of being, uh, of being someone at that high elite level. Um, it's powerful. And there's a lot of great tidbits on uh, mentality and kind of social behaviors with who people are, but um, yeah, good to great to relentless with Tim Grover. Um, awesome. I got three, actually I added a third as, as Jim was talking. The, the first that sort of set me on the path for uh, building my own financial education was rich dad, poor dad. Mm. fantastic book i'm yeah. sure it's, it's common for for a lot of your listeners it's, it's uh, the, most, the, sec- the most common shout out on the on the whole um <laughs> yeah. podcast like, yeah if we, if we didn't mention it it, it, it the podcast wouldn't be complete so right yeah use code, use code ben malik been checking out rich dad poor dad for 10 10- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the sec the second is um is a book called the go-giver so this you know the idea of being a go-getter but it's it's the go-giver it's by uh Rich David, um, John David Mann, Richard Burke, fantastic book. And I've, I've even been in situations where I've loaned it to, I've given it out to someone, told them to sign it, and it's been circulated back. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic book. And then the third book is called The Power of Tact. I, I'm blanking on the, the, um, the author, but uh, a great book, especially anyone that's in business has to negotiate. It's a fantastic book. Awesome. Well, I, I love it. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm starting to develop the book list of all the people who've recommended on on the podcast. So I'm, uh, soon it's gonna be on my website where you can you can find all of the, the books. That's awesome. So love I'm it. Excited for that. Um, so yeah. yeah, what motivates you guys to continue every day? Uh, easy for me. It's my wife and kids. Right. Like I, you know, my wife is incredible. She's she's like an angel walking among us she's just as an amazing amazing human being beautiful um and and then my kids right i've got a 13 year old 11 year old seven year old boys and they are our house is is energetic all the time it's full-on wide open and it's impossible to not get up and do what you need to do when you look at those guys i mean it's it's the the world is their oyster given that i do what i'm supposed to do right so awesome yeah uh you know, hard to follow up with that one. Uh, <laughs> but right. So it's for, you know, me and my world, I don't have a family yet, but it's, you know, my girlfriend and same kind of motive personally, where, you know, looking to build a family. Right. And this is kind of the reason why, but, you know, expanding beyond that too. Uh, you got cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Cats, right? But, and we want a dog. So right. that's the list, right. Uh-huh. But, but really kind of to the point too, of, of knowing uh, the, the education gap that's out there. Right. And how many people simply just don't know what they don't know. And, and I truly do see that as my, my job, my responsibility to bring that out there and to have the courage to go out and, and share that um, fearlessly for everyone j- just to get it out there. Because there's um, again, I, I feel it's like a responsibility. It's I want to say a burden, but it's something by choosing this path um, that I'm passionate about, about doing. Yeah. Well, I really love that. And part of the reason I started this podcast is like, it took me a couple of years of listening to podcasts to learn about the deferred sales trust and cost segregation and all these amazing things that help so many people. And you're just no brainers. Like you, you, yeah, should do yeah. these. and like, <laughs> right. it took me a long time to find out. And it's like, you guys offered all these services in one place and just were able to mix and match them to like create a solution that was perfect for someone's situation. It's like, yeah, like I totally agree with that. Like, trying to figure out what you don't know or helping people understand what they don't know. Like they would never have right. even figured out the solution if not for, you know, someone telling them. And so it's great that yeah. we, we do this. Awesome. Yep. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Um, show up every day, show up every day. 
right? Uh, you know, there's there, no one is prompt. So the, the, the journey of being an entrepreneur and a business owner, there's no guarantee. No one has ever promised that it's, it's going to be easy or that every single day would be fun, right? Uh, but show up every day and do what you need to do. Yeah. To, well, I'll have my own, but to piggyback on that, I feel you'll appreciate this, Ben. I remember when I was going into college, uh, my dad's like one advice was just show up, right? Because, uh, you, you know, he's like, hey, you'll, you'll get in where maybe you'll miss one class um, and it quickly becomes a habit, right? Oh, I, you know, I missed the last one, but I showed up to the other one. I can miss this next one. And I found myself doing that very quickly, uh, validating that. So, you know, a lot of that of j- just showing up every day, no matter if you had a, a terrible day yesterday, whether it was the best day you had yesterday, putting on your pants and going. Um, but, you know, what I would say different from what Quasi said is, um, just make that leap, right? Do it. Cause I think a lot of people end up having paralysis through analysis where they're just analyzing 20 different things of what could go wrong in a, a sector of business or in 20 different things that could go right. And then they looked at one of those things that could go bad and find 20 miniature things on and right. And you just end up analyzing so many different aspects of, of anything um, where you end up doing nothing. And, you know, again, time's kind of your most valuable asset you have. You can't get it back. Um, just take that leap and do something, you know, learn along the way, stumble, get that experience, but keep on showing up and, and make that leap. But with super speed, you can, you can, <laughs> you can go back in time. So you might be able to get some of that time. Back. Yeah. 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 Well, I like the idea of showing up because it's like, it's with, it fixes or fits in with the idea of you don't know what you don't know, but you know, in terms of going to class, like you show up, you might've like got an idea that you know wouldn't have ever happened unless you put yourself out there right. to experience these new things and like you know like you know i could sit in this room all day but like just going outside and like seeing a tree and it's like oh reminds me that there's more into the world than this little right place. it's like yeah it's <laughs> yeah. like another way of showing up just like you know getting out there that's awesome yeah. well since i put you guys on the spot i want to give you a chance for revenge so uh feel free to ask me anything you want to know about me what's your favorite color Ooh. You know, that's it's a it's an interesting question. I've had opinions in the past, and like then I've had opinions <laughs> that I have no opinion, and like it's it's hard to say. For most of, for most of my life, it was pink, and I think I wanted to just be like different and like kind of yeah, like you know, have on something unconventional or something. Like someone one, should ask a question. It's like oh, like why is it like pink? And it's like, and also I mean, I, I like the idea of it going with breast cancer, which is a research is the cause that I I care yeah. about a lot. But um, you know, maybe I just like want people to ask me questions. But now I like blue. Like there's something like I like when I look at a certain shade of blue, I like fall into it and like yeah. And it's like there's it's like I can't even describe the shade of blue. It's like middle <laughs> lightness. It's like really rich, like bright blue, but not like too pale. There's just this one color of blue I really like. Um, I'll see if I can find it and maybe I'll like put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just keeping with the, the theme of being unconventional, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I've met a lot of uh, kids that were guys are in college that had their own show and are, are, you know, investing in real estate. So what made you even choose that path? Well, I mean, what to, to hammer it onto one specific instance or one specific thing is like, I mean, I don't, this is an impossible, impossible task, right? Just all the causes and all the things that's come before in the entire universe led me to this one place. But I mean, the way I try to try to like nail it down, it's just like my skills and my purpose and like the, like my desire to add value to the world to the best of my ability. I just think 
real estate is such a powerful way to do that for how so many people accomplish their goals and the things that, you know, they think they want in life. And like, I see real estate being the way to do that for so many people. And then just the ability to, you know, care about like the small thing is like, if I want to develop a multifamily property, like I want to develop a place where people are happy to be, where people wake up every morning. It's like, I got like, like I want to be here. It's not like I'm just in, in a, in some bricks that ha- have a roof over my head and I, and I can sleep at night. It's like, no, like there's something much deeper where it's like the place that you be that you're in can inspire you. And I want to, you know, use the many sides of real estate to, to be able to add value to the world. And um, I mean, I just love it. I'm passionate about it. And um, I think that's, what's going to keep me going. Even when it gets hard, just my, my passion and my, my, uh, my eagerness to, to learn more about it and to, um, to, yeah, to use it to, to improve the world and uh, hopefully reduce suffering along the way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. What, one last uh, off the wall one favorite dinner meal and favorite dessert with it. Um, okay, cool. Oh, this is tough. Actually, it's really tough. Um, See, my questions were tough. He knew, <laughs> he knew his why right away. Come on now. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Um, <laughs> um, oh, no. I, is, this, is this even like PC anymore? If I say like, I just love like a nice steak. Like, can you even say that? Yeah, you can, you can say that. Yeah. As much as you yeah. Want. You're, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I don't know. A good steak. It's like, it's just really good. It's rewarding to just like. Love it. I don't know. Have a, have a steak once in a while and so the fact that it's like not an everyday thing is like that's the the beauty what makes it good yeah right yeah so awesome cool cool well guys thank you so much for coming on the show um i'm i'm sure that everyone's learned a lot and have you know have a whole new philosophy and a way to apply you know i guess leverage to the world and like you know i mean this idea transcends across all parts of life and you know from just the things you're trying to accomplish on day to day to, to business, to just like, you know, our purpose here. So I really love that idea and I'm hope it sticks with everyone for a while. Um, do you guys have any final remarks to leave the audience with? Um, I do, you know, uh, speaking to the, the entrepreneur out there, cause that's, that's the foundation of our, of our business is really, um, business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, you know, the, the, the challenge with um, being an entrepreneur is that you have something that you're passionate about that you want to give away to the world, right? Um, the, the, the thing is, though, there's all kinds of other stuff that comes along with being able to deliver that to the marketplace. So sometimes there are going to be tough days, right? There are going to be hard times. Uh, the my challenge to you, if you're listening to this, to this, uh, to this podcast or video, or whatever, uh, is to take the next step every day, one foot in front of the other, and just keep going. If you feel like you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on until you can take the next step. Right. So that's the one thing I, w- I want to leave with everyone is keep going. Yeah. I love that. I almost want to leave it there. Uh, not even bring mine up now, but no, I, I think, you know, just kind of to that theme, uh, you know, never, never lose your intellectual curiosity and, and never be in a position where you think you know everything. Stay learning, stay hungry for more knowledge. And Ben, I think you do a great job of embodying that. Um, and that's going to lead you down a great path. Well, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to keep those, those, uh, those messages 
with me for for my whole life i hope and um yeah i really appreciate it so cool. thank you guys for coming on um i mean how can people find out more about you and uh, learn more about what you guys do probably the, the easiest way is is online at our at our website um kingstown with an e so kingstownadvisors.com k-i-n-g-s-t-o-w-n-e advisors plural.com and then our our linkedin profiles i'm on linkedin you can look me up send me a direct message connect requests whatever you need jim as well um probably the easiest ways to, to connect with us and we're, we're starting to put some stuff up on tiktok too so yeah oh nice awesome yeah. well i'm i'm gonna check that out and the links will to all those resources will be below um in the show notes so definitely check it out and um yeah thank you guys for coming on and keep making milestones all awesome. right appreciate it man. thanks ben see ya take care